Now, it's less than a fortnight until the hotly contested codeine prescription-only laws come into play. Uh, lots of people on this network have been banging on about it, and with good reason, because it does affect, it would appear from the feedback we get, many of our listeners, and they are rightly concerned. Now, the Therapeutic Goods Administration, TGA, based the prescription-only move, and government, I have to say, on evidence that showed it was no better for pain than non codeine painkillers and they linked codeine to about 100 deaths a year remember that number 100 well my next guest the new south wales president of the pharmaceutical society of australia professor peter carroll thinks the stats are wrong he says we need to take a closer look at the numbers the medical journal of australia showed between the year 2000 and the year 2013 there were 113 deaths specifically related to codeine that's nine a year not a hundred. And with many people having trouble with ibuprofen, the choices in the pharmacy for over-the-counter pain medication after February 1 are, would appear, rather slim. Dr Peter Carroll joins me on the line. Nice to talk to you. Oh, nice to talk to you, Luke. Thank you for having me. Not at all. It's a pleasure. Uh, how concerned should people be about, firstly, it would appear the misrepresentation, if that's what it is, of the numbers? Look, I think there have been uh, some, well, there has been some misinformation about codeine. And what I've tried to do is look at the evidence, look at the clinical evidence, and just present that. Uh, you, In your introduction, you said that a number of people, including the TGA and the A, people from the AMA, have also said this, that the addition of low-dose codeine to the over-the-counter products. And we're, we're talking um, things like uh, Panadine Extra, Nurofen Plus, etc., which I'm sure many of your listeners will have uh, used mm. in, in, in the past. Uh, the argument is that <clears throat> if you take Panadine Extra, to use it as an example, that contains uh, paracetamol and a low dose of codeine. The argument goes that by those that make it, that you may as well just take paracetamol, Panadol, because mm. the extra codeine does not give you any greater pain relief. Now, that is just completely wrong. And there are papers, in fact, there's an Australian paper showing that that is just not the case. So I can categorically say that anyone who says that these um, low-dose codeine products don't give you extra pain relief above and beyond just the normal paracetamol or uh, ibuprofen, urofen, that is wrong. Right. How, how addictive is it? Because that's the other issue that is often uh, trotted out, that it's quite addictive. And again, um, the truth is that if you take codeine, um, it is an opioid analgesic, and if you take codeine long-term in high doses, uh, there is every potential for you to become dependent on it. But with the products that we're talking about, again, just Panadine Extra and Nurofen Plus, these are used for the short-term treatment of acute pain. And we're talking everyday pain. We're mm. talking toothache, uh, migraine, uh, period pain. Mm. Now, people get these pains. They're everyday pains. Mm. And if they use the codeine-based products, they use them for two or three days. Um, they use them appropriately, safely, the pain goes away, and they stop taking them. They are at absolutely no risk of becoming dependent on codeine. So, so the, again, the, that's just, just not true. Yeah, it, it appears 
codeine's not the problem, it's the misuse of codeine that's the problem. Is that too simplistic? No, no, I think that's, that's very right on the money um, because if there are a number of people, a small number of people in the community who do misuse drugs and they do misuse medication mm. and they do misuse codeine. But the vast, vast, vast majority of people, and it would be your listeners who are using it for toothache, period pain, um, these people use them appropriately and there's no way they're going to become dependent. And in fact, I don't know whether you're aware, but there is, in, ph- in the majority of pharmacies, and I'll like to finish off with a recommendation on this, but in the majority of pharmacies at this point in time, there is what's known as real-time monitoring. Yes. Now, that means, look, if you or I go into a pharmacy and say, oh, we've got a toothache or some migraine, could we have some Panadine Extra or Nurofen Plus, please? Pharmacist talks to us. If the if it's appropriate, we, we get it. But we show some ID, and uh, then it goes into the system that you or I have purchased that product. Now, if we go to another pharmacy tomorrow, it could be in another city. Um, the pharmacist there will know that we have purchased that product yesterday. It's a way of identifying the people, a small amount of people, who may be misusing the product, mm. and it's a way of getting them identified and hopefully the pharmacist getting them to talk to appropriate healthcare professionals mm. so they can get, uh, and get treatment for their problem. See, a pharmacist told me that a week ago, and I, I nearly fell over because I thought up until now, and I'd, I'd interviewed Greg Hunt on the matter, yeah. and one or two other people who talked about the addictive properties of the medication. And I thought, well, you know, there was a slight inconvenience, but uh, given the downside, uh, and it, it, it came to me as quite a shock that there is real-time monitoring for some drugs. Now, are they the pseudoephedrine-type medication? Pseudoephedrine, it's been there for, um, I've take a guess, it's certainly been years with mm. uh, pseudoephedrine. So what, what do I have to show you? If I want pseudoephedrine, what, what details of mine you do you take? You show a licence or some other form of identification. Now, people are happy to do that because they realise that they're using it legitimately, they're going to use it short term, mm. and they understand that some people might be misusing it. Now, yep. we can do the same thing with codeine. And I go out of my way to say that I, and I believe this, I have great respect for GPs. I really think they do a tremendous job in the community. But it's a fact that there is no real-time monitoring of codeine or any other opioid drug at GP surgeries. So if someone has to go to the GP and they want to uh, get more codeine, they just doctor shop. They go from one doctor to another to another. They get multiple prescriptions for Panadine Fort, yep. which is a higher dose codeine yep. product, yep. and they just get the, get the product. Now, it just makes no sense to me, and yep. it, it just beggars belief that the government is saying <laughs> there's a small amount of people who are misusing this product. Mm. Pharmacy's got a system that allows them to be identified and helped, but we'll throw all that out. That real-time monitoring goes on February 1. It will no longer exist. There is no real-time monitoring in doctor's surgeries, 
So you can go and get as much codeine as you like. It just it just doesn't make sense. It don't, Peter. It makes no sense at all. Have you uh, have you had any reaction to uh, yours or the the body's uh, commentary from people like Greg Hunt or others? I have spoken with Greg. He's a very pleasant individual. Indeed. Um, he's been advised by the TGA, and I think the TGA is perhaps at times. Not that I don't want to be sued, but not giving him the best advice. <laughs> I have had conversations with Mr. Hazard and politicians here in New South Wales, and I think it's fair to say every one of them, including Mr. Hazard, agrees with me. He agrees that what I've just said is the best system, <laughs> but because Mr. Hunt, it, it, it's a little bit complicated because. All the states are meant to do this because the TGA sort of says it and normally it's not controversial and it's just picked up by the states. Sure. The states don't have to do this. Let me be very clear. Mr. Hazard could stop this tomorrow, but he is reluctant to do it without the other states also doing it. Yeah. And the health ministers did make a representation to Mr. Hunt to ask him to review this or have another look at it but unfortunately, that didn't happen. Mm. And the other thing is, I mean, the the other thing which is really important, if we've got a minute just to say it, yes. um, there are other over-the-counter analgesics. Um, there are ibuprofen um, combined with paracetamol, things like maxi-jusic. Ah, oh, yes, I've seen them, yep. Now, they're perfectly reasonable drugs. There is nothing wrong with paracetamol. There's nothing wrong with ibuprofen. Maxigesic works, and it's a great drug. But there are hundreds of thousands of people, and some of your listeners, I'm sure, would fit into this category, that can't take ibuprofen or shouldn't take ibuprofen. I'll give you some examples. Okay. 10% of the people in this country who have asthma, who suffer from asthma, will have their asthma symptoms made worse, and they might even get an acute asthmatic attack if they take ibuprofen. There are people with many gastrointestinal diseases and and, uh, kidney uh, disorders who shouldn't take ibuprofen. Many of your listeners will be taking warfarin or other anticoagulants to stop clots. You can increase the risk of bleeding if you take ibuprofen. Again, many blood pressure medicines and others will interact with ibuprofen. Yeah. So these, this is not 10 people. No. This is hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And when this comes in, they will have no option but to visit a doctor. Now, that in itself brings enormous problems because you can't just walk in and get a doctor's appointment. No, that's in exactly right. In rural areas, it can take three or four days. Yes, yes. The person's going to be in unnecessary pain. Plus, plus the additional cost, this is probably not as important as the additional pain, but the additional cost to, to, the, to the whole Medicare system. Oh, absolutely. With additional, with additional uh, consultations oh, required absolutely. just to get the four or five or dozen tablets that the person the Could day before gone. would have been able to get, uh, you know, with um, talking to their, their pharmacist. It's ridiculous. I, well, I think it is, and, yeah. and it just doesn't make sense mm. because it will cost the system a lot of money. You've also got to remember, work if the doctor doesn't bulk bill, the patient has to pay the Medicare levy. Yeah, you're uh, right. The gap, I'm sorry, which could be 20 or $30. Yes, yeah. Instead of just going to the pharmacy and talking to the pharmacist, get something for your migraine, 
Two two quick ones before we go. I, I noticed today when I was actually getting some prescriptions filled that there were packets of um, uh, low-dose codeine drugs available. Is there going to be a rush on those in the next week or two, do you suspect? Um, I, I don't know. I, the answer to that is I'm sure is no. Um, I haven't seen it. People who I talk to haven't seen it. And, of course, with the real-time monitoring, it can't happen. Because right. if you get one, you're not going to get another one tomorrow. Yeah. So I don't think that's going to happen. In fact, I'm confident uh, with the real-time monitoring that that would be a perfect example of how it would work. I'm told that Panadine, as we know it today, won't be available after uh, this ban comes in, or the, not a ban, but the, uh, the availability of the product over the counter. In fact, uh, one of the manufacturers has said, well, there's no value in making that drug, we'll make Forte, or or we'll just have Panadol. Is that right? I think that's true. Uh, That doesn't mean that other uh, generic, for want of a better word, things won't be there. True. But if all these were to go off the market, again, you've made a very, very good point. Mm. If people decided, well, we're not going to have the low-dose codeine products anymore, Again, it would be just a terrible repercussion yeah. because that means that everyone would then be taking more codeine because yeah. the only time you could get it would be the Panadine Fort, and, and that just would be stupid. Of course. Final one, is it too late? I'm hoping it's not. I'm still talking to, trying to talk to Mr Hazard. We believe, that, just hope, that it will happen because we've said to Mr Hazard, and I think the most perfect, perfect uh, example or or solution to this, make mandatory real-time monitoring. In other words, you bring the mandatory real-time monitoring into every pharmacy. Mm. Allow pharmacists to supply with that mandatory real-time monitoring up to three days supply of these products for the treatment of acute pain, period pain, migraine, toothache, etc. Now that in my opinion, is a win-win. It allows the pharmacist to identify the small amount of people who may be misusing the product and get them help, and it allows the vast majority of your listeners access to the short-term use of the products without a prescription. Yeah. And I just think that is the answer. I'm with you. It's uh, common sense, which, as I all say now, is not so common. Uh, good to talk to you, Peter. Thank you very it's much. A pleasure for having me. Thank all, you. All right. Good on you. Good to talk to you, Dr. Peter Carroll.